So, you know, if, if y'all haven't been following what's been going on within Israel and, and uh, you know, within the Gaza Strip, within the West Bank, and personally, I've learned a lot over the past few days as well. I've learned a lot. Um, so I'm kind of kind of break it down in case y'all haven't been following. So essentially, there's a neighborhood within the West Bank called Sheikh Jarrah. And essentially during, you know, the whole uh, during Ramadan and at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, I believe it was, there was, you know, Palestinians worshiping, you know, um, there. And then essentially Israeli police came in and, and broke up this prayer session um, and started firing, uh, you know, the non-lethal, they'll say, uh type of you know a barrage of attack into the mosque which you know dispersed the people there and essentially interrupted their you know prayer session or you know their religious holy session um and a lot of this was sparked by the forced removal the ethnic ethnic cleansing of the sheik jara neighborhood um where you know people palestinian people who have been living there for generations as part of the expansion of these illegal settlements, these, you know, that have been condemned by international human rights groups, um, they, that has been condemned, but Israel has said, you know, because they have the backing of the United States, the, the world global empire, they said they're going to just continue to do that. They're going to continue to violate international law and forcefully remove ethnically cleanse some of these neighborhoods, um, as they try and essentially move towards completely retaking, Jerusalem. So that's kind of what was the spark for, uh, you know, what's been going on, right? This, these, uh, this barrage of, of, of rocket fire that's going into the Gaza Strip um, and into the West Bank right now. So that's, that's essentially like a breakdown of, of, of what kind of started, uh, what started this you know, conflict and people say, don't say, don't, you don't really want to call it a conflict because, well, okay, let's say this. The main issue with, you know, Israel and Palestine is, is there's an asymmetry of power. Israel has the backing of the United States, the world empire, right? The global empire. Um, we send billions and billions and billions of dollars uh, to Israel every single year. We send them weapons. We send them state of the art, um, weaponry, all this type of stuff, right, from that that is made here in America. We send that to them. Then they go and use those weapons, use those dollars, right, to oppress the Palestinians. Let me show y'all a little visual of let's uh, just a visual of the way that Palestine and Israel has changed over since 1947. So this was 1947. You can see in the white says Jewish settlements in the green Palestinian land, right? So that was Palestine 1947, and then the small Jewish settlements sprinkled here and there. Then with the UN plan, right after World War II, um, and which I don't think the Palestinian people were, uh, the Palestinian people were not asked whether they want whether they want what they wanted to do, um, whether they wanted to give up their land. For you know, a state of Israel to you know a place for the Israelis, um, the you know the Jewish people from Europe to resettle into to their own state. Um, so you can see Palestine right here. 
going from 1947 then after right in 1947-1948 the UN plan already losing a massive plot of their land which you know d- can't seem it doesn't seem to be right you know I don't think that's right if you were living in in some of these areas and all of a sudden next year you just got kicked out um you know I'm sure you and your family would be <laughs> pretty upset about that um and then you see from 1949 to 1967 that space continues to get smaller and smaller and smaller and then you get to 2005 and this is 16 years ago right so not even where we are today you see i mean it's just nothing compared to 1947 right and that's all in what's that 58 years all in 58 years that happened and i'm sure it's even worse today as you know israel continues to encroach on the palestinian land in the uh, west bank so that's this is when if you look at this picture do you do you think that this is an equal side thing right where a lot of people are trying to both sides this issue no of course the palestinian people are being ethnically cleansed out of this land that they have been in for generations and it's getting to a point where they're almost completely gone from this picture and so that's the issue that's the that's the issue that that is faced right now is there's an asymmetry of power the Palestinians, they don't have, you know, they don't have the backing of the world empire like the United States. They don't have billions of dollars coming in, um, you know, to them to protect themselves. They don't have any of that. Right. Um, so there's an asymmetry of power here. So when, you know, if you're going to ask me, do I condemn any type of civilian killings by anyone? Of course I do. Of course I do. But you can't sit here and tell me that someone who's been continuously against international law encroaching upon someone else's land and forcefully pushing people out of their homes that they have lived in for generations against international law right you can't tell me that 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 there's some parity you know within this issue there's there's no parity at all there's no parity at all the palestinian people are being oppressed the palestinian people are being ethnically cleansed the Israeli government, the right-wing Israeli government, and I think that's something important to mention, right? When we talk about the Israeli government itself, right, the Israeli people are not a monolith. There are a lot of Israeli people who do not agree with the actions of the Israeli right-wing government. It's funny. It's funny, too, because Benjamin Netanyahu and Donald Trump have had a very good relationship. Very good relationship. Interesting that when Putin and Trump has have a good relationship, they're they're quick to you know criticize and you know call Putin a thug and et cetera et cetera. But when Bibi Netanyahu and Donald Trump have a good relationship, Bibi Netanyahu is not ridiculed the same as as Putin was, right? So you can you can all you can you can always tell, right? You can always tell when there's some type there's something going on there. Right. If they're not willing to criticize certain people the same way as others, they're not willing to do that. They're not willing to do that. And why is that? Why is that? Well, there's this thing called APAC. <laughs> there's this group called APAC who essentially, you know, is, is a lobby for the Israeli government. And they go they come into our government and they give a bunch of money to both sides. So both sides, whether you're talking about the Democrats or Republicans, will do whatever it takes to protect Israel, whatever it takes. And let's actually look into a little bit what the Biden government, the Biden administration has been saying about this very crisis. 
has been saying about the very crisis that's going on right now. Let's first start off with our favorite Nancy Pelosi. Here's what Nancy Pelosi said earlier today. Mind you, at this point when Pelosi said this, this was yesterday, I think there was about 30 Palestinian uh, people that had been killed, 10 10 to 15 of them children, innocent children had been killed. And this is what Pelosi had to say. Pelosi's statement on the Hamas rocket attacks. Israel has the right to defend herself against this assault, which is designed to sow terror and undermine prospects for peace. And so this is this is the full quote here, but that, that's pretty much all you need to know, right? So that's what Nancy Pelosi is saying. That, that's what Nancy Pelosi is saying. See, we all take in the same information, right? We see that there's an oppressed people. We see that there's a people that are under military occupation, uh, getting ethnically cleansed against international law, uh, uh, rockets being fired into an extremely densely populated, open, essentially an open-air prison in Gaza. And we see children dying. And we have a heavy heart about that. And we condemn that. And we want to make sure our government is not funding that. Here's the leader of the Democratic Party, right? The party that's supposed to be um, you know, the party of, of working class people, the party that, uh, you know, cares about humanitarian issues, like all these things, all these things um, that the Democrats claim to be. And the leader in the House is saying this after all of us taking the same information. This is what she has to come out and say. She has to come out and say it's it's the Palestine, it's the Palestinian people. It's Hamas whose rocket attacks are designed to sow terror and undermine prospects for peace. So that's what Nancy Pelosi is saying, right? We can't expect, we cannot expect the Democratic Party to do a damn thing about this. There's a lot to say. There's a lot going on right now. And none of the response from the the Biden administration has been one that's good. They have all been horrible, horrible responses. And this is another one of them. This is from Joe Biden. My uh, national security staff and defense staff has been in constant contact with their counterparts in the Middle East, uh, not just with the Israelis, but also with uh, everyone from the Egyptians to the Saudis to the Emiratis, et cetera. And uh, I had a conversation with Bibi Netanyahu uh, not too long ago. I'll be putting out a statement very shortly on that. Um, my expectation and hope is that uh, uh, this will be uh, – closing down sooner than later. But uh, Israel has a right to defend itself when you have thousands of rockets flying into your territory. But uh, I had a, a conversation for a while with, with the uh, Prime Minister of Israel, and uh, I think that uh, my hope is that we'll see uh, this coming to conclusion sooner than later. Thank you. Once again, I mean, this is this is what the administration is going with. Israel has a right to defend itself. Israel has a right to defend itself. Even if that means there's this immensely disproportional response to Hamas, which is a group within Palestine that not all Palestinians subscribe to, that not all Palestinians agree with. That's not the Palestinian government. It's a group. So if this group is doing this thing, right, if this group is sending rockets over to Israel, now we have to bomb civil, other civilian populations, and that's supposed to be some type of 
you know, that's supposed to be some type of response that people like me, people in America, people who see billions of dollars going to Israel to, you know, commit these atrocities, that's supposed to have some type of click in our brain like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. No, because that sounds a lot like the reasoning that um, the United States gives for going around the world, right, and using the war on terror, these terrorist groups, as an excuse to bomb the shit out of places overseas. This is the same logic that's being applied to this very situation. So can we really be surprised? Can we really be surprised when we are per perpetuating the same exact acts in places like Yemen? Can we really be surprised? No, we can't. And B Biden's not the only one saying this stuff. Pelosi's not the only one saying this stuff. In fact, the leader, the spokesman for the State Department went out and said this when he was questioned by reporters. The leader of the State Department, who's supposed to be the, dip the diplomatic arm, right, of the United States. This is what he had to say We're speaking on of this the issue. principle of self-defense. Uh, we you certainly... Know, I'm asking if you think that the principle of self-defense applies to the retaliatory, the, the, the airstrikes that they're conducting in response Matt, this is a very fluid situation. I, I would hesitate to uh, comment on operations beyond, you know, the rocket fire that uh, is clearly targeting innocent civilians uh, in Israel. So I would hesitate... So, so he, he can't speak, he can't speak about the rockets, right, that are terrorizing innocent Palestinian civilians, he can't speak about that. He would hesitate to speak about any of that because he doesn't know all the information yet. But what he can speak about is the few rockets that have hit down in Israel. Not the barrage of rockets, the, the building that was, the residential building that was destroyed, which is an international war crime, targeting civilian infrastructure. Not that, not the, the uh, you know, kids that have been killed in the streets by these rocket attacks from Israel. None of that. He can't comment on that, but he can comment on, you know, the few rockets which hit Israel, which I also condemn. I, see, I, I care about all people. I care about all civilians. I don't want to see any civilians dying. I don't want to see war, right? But I can see that one side has the power. I can see that one side is the oppressor. One side is the occupying force going to people's neighborhoods where they've been their whole life and forcefully, physically, violently removing them from their home and throwing their shit out in the streets and saying, you can kick rocks, you can beat it, everything that you've owned, you got to go. I can see that. He, th this, this person, this uh, stooge for the American empire is going to come out and obfuscate about the obvious what's going on right now in, in, uh, in you know, Israel and in Palestine, the Gaza Strip and West Bank hesitate to speak to specific operations um, that have just occurred, but the broader principle of self-defense is something um, we uh, uh, we stand by uh, on behalf of Israel. Yeah, but and do you think country. that a Israeli military response to the rockets coming in, it, it, that a, a military response to the rockets coming in is covered by this broader rubric of self-defense, right? Uh, self-defense self often does uh, uh, authorize secondly, the use of force. You see, you see how he can't, he can't square, he can't square the circle that, you know, his lens and framework is coming from, right? Because if you say they have a right to self-defense, then, you know, pa the, the Palestinian people have a right to self-defense. If they're being ethnically cleansed from a neighbor, they're being forcefully removed against international law and they're, they're being hit with barrage of rockets. They're being, uh, their kids are being killed in the streets, right? So they, 
they have a right to self-defense, right? Or, or then he's he can't find his words, right? All of a sudden he's he's mumbling, he's sweating, he doesn't you know he doesn't know what to say because he know he he knows he's caught and he's not used to actually getting a solid question from a United States reporter. So actually, good on these reporters for actually holding their feet to the fire um, here in the State Department. I want to ask you about East Jerusalem, but look, talk about what you said about the principle of self-defense. Does that in any way apply to the Palestinians? Do they have a right to self-defense? Do Palestinians have a right to self-defense? Uh, I'm in broadly speaking, Saeed, uh, we believe in the concept of self-defense. We believe it applies uh, to any state. I don't think okay. that, I certainly wouldn't want uh, my words to be construed no, as- I understand. I, I want to words to be construed as giving the Palestinians uh, humanity and honoring their right to defend themselves as well. He doesn't want to be construed as doing that, as saying anything negative about Israel, not a single thing negative about Israel. I don't want to harp on this either, but, you know, the Israelis killed 13 people just now, you know, including maybe five or six children. Do you condemn that? Do you condemn that? numbers got up to about 40, I believe, 40 uh, or 50. I'm asking, do you condemn the killing of Palestinian children? Obviously, uh, and these reports are just emerging, uh, and I understand, I was just speaking to the team, I understand we don't have independent confirmation of facts on the ground yet, so I'm very hesitant uh, to get into reports that are just emerging. Uh, Obviously, the deaths of civilians, uh, be they Israeli or Palestinians, are something we would take very seriously. We We would take very seriously, but they're not taking it very seriously right now. He can't even speak and just bluntly say, yes, I condemn the killing of children. And that's what annoys me, frustrates me, infuriates me about U.S. politics and U.S. politicians and people like this. Because even a blanket question, even a blanket question, do you condemn the killing of children? He can't say it. He can't say it. So, I, I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable to watch this. I mean, there's more. He gets caught once again. Um, he gets caught once again spewing BS, spewing U.S. propaganda. Um, and it's just, it's just gross, you know, it's gross. And the fact that we have to sit here and know that $38 billion a year goes to Israel, $38 billion while there's people here that sleep under bridges every night. You know, I live out here in in, in Los Angeles. I mean, there's, I think there's 70,000 homeless people here, but we're sending billions of dollars every single year, billions of dollars every single year to an occupational force with a right-wing, crazy right-wing government. I mean, <laughs> it's gross. It's gross. And and I think people here in America, we're done with it. We're done. We're done. And the fact that the Democrats are coming out and full-throated supporting something like this. But can we really be surprised when Biden said he would uh, stop the support for Saudi Arabia and Yemen and he hasn't done a single damn thing about it? When he said he was going to uh, do something about uh, MBS, uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the, uh, the the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, who murdered a Washington Post reporter, who you know ordered the murder of a Washington Post reporter. He's not going to do anything about that. He's just going to keep it mum, ne- not, not talk to the media, not answer any questions about it, and keep it pushing. So we can't expect without a national outcry against this. And even still, we might not get um, what we want, and that's for us to stop funding an apartheid state. We still might not get that. Why? Because the Democrats are bought. They are bought and paid for. 
just like Republicans. There's no difference. There's no difference. And this is this was another this is another video. I mean, this is happening. This is in Ramla. So I'm not sure exactly where that is. It might be the the West Bank. That's what I would guess. But a mob of Jewish right-wingers in the city of Ramla is checking vehicles one by one. Jewish cars are allowed to pass. Arab car, cars are pelted with rocks. When one of the cars nearly crashes, the mob starts cheering. The police, nowhere in sight. Nowhere in sight. So, you know, there's a lot of parity between U.S. police and Israeli police, it seems. We'll talk a little bit more about later as well. You can see right here. All of a sudden, pelted with rocks. Pelted with rocks. I mean, he crashes into that median just because scared i mean that's that's crazy it's crazy that that stuff's happening and it's even crazier to me that we can stand for we can stand for subsidizing that we give money to that while people here go hungry we give money to that while people here don't know how they're going to afford their next rent check that's how an empire falls that's how an empire falls right there and, you know, I see someone says LAPD has a relations station in Israel. Funny you bring that up because this is something that I have I knew was going on before this happened. But I think a lot of people are starting to realize this as well and, and, and find this out. And it's that uh, this says report criticizes NYPD collaboration with Israel. Report suggests that since 9-11, Israel has trained NYPD, FBI, and other local, state, and federal law enforcement officials. So we see <laughs> we see what's going on there right we see what's going on in what in the west bank we see what's going on in gaza open air prison we see the apartheid state in israel and then we say wow those what those cops are doing let's take our cops and let them train and get trained by the same people that are perpetuating this over in israel do you really think the the elite and the powers that be in this country are going to have anything to say against Israel when we send our our police force over there to train with them against you know to train against anti-terrorism anti-terrorism tactics which are going to get used against who right which are going to get used against who black and brown people and we saw BLM it's not even just black and brown anyone who's at a protest you know you're liable to get uh you know you're liable to get beaten you're liable to get tear gassed. You're liable to get hit with non-lethal bullets who, well, that could take your eye out, give you concussion. So that's an, that's an insane thing that we do. I, I, I couldn't believe it when I first learned it. But we have to come to a reckoning here. We have to come to a reckoning here in this country, especially when it comes with our relationship with Israel, especially when it comes to policing overall. And the fact, like, can that can this be reformed? Do y'all think this can be reformed? Because I don't, I don't know if it can. I don't know if that can be reformed. If this has been beaten, you know, since nine eleven, Israel has trained NYPD. Like that, that's twenty years, right? That's what these people, these tactics, these cops have learned. And it's, you know, it's translating to our streets. And then when we see it in other countries, we can't be surprised when we see it happening in the West Bank. When we see it happening in, in the Gaza Strip, we cannot be surprised. We cannot be surprised. So that's pretty much the situation um, in Israel right now. Um, it's 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 scary. 
it's scary and it looks like it's not going to end anytime soon. Like I said, um, you know, the, the, the barrage of attacks are continuing. The barrage of rocket fire into the Gaza Strip is continuing. Right now, the death toll has got up to, I think it's about 55 or 60 with like 20 kids being killed. I mean, it's just gross. Like, if that, if so, if someone in America, right, if some of these people in America who support this, who support Israel, who will never criticize Israel, if there was another occupying force, and it's hard to kind of quantify or it's hard to, you know, have a, a really good comparison because we don't have any, you know, adversaries that are our neighbors to us. But if you had, say, you know, our Canada was an adversary of ours and you had people, forces from Canada just going into, I don't know, Iowa or Minnesota and forcefully removing people out of their homes that maybe their family has lived in for generations and telling them to kick rocks, get out of here, everything you've owned, now it's ours, right? If that was happening, if that very situation was happening, one, of course, people would be outraged. People would want to start, you know, people in this country would want to start a war, right? But then if those very same people attacked, fired rockets, whatever, towards that adversary, we would feel like it was justified. People in this country would feel like it's justified. But when the same situation happens in Palestine, when the same situation happens in the West Bank and in Gaza, now it's, oh, you know, these, these terrorists are firing rockets against Israel and Israel has the right to defend itself and destroy civilian buildings. That's the situation in Israel. It's it's horrifying. Like just scrolling through Twitter, seeing like the death toll just increase, increase, seeing people like Joe Biden, people like Nancy Pelosi not have a a word to say about, you know, the deaths of innocent children. You know, even though that they'll come out and say um, it's wrong for Hamas, <laughs> it's wrong for Hamas to be firing rockets into Israel, but it's not wrong for Israel to be destroying civilian billions, civilian in- infrastructure and killing kids. It's the bit, it's the most hypocritical thing they could ever do. And they know it is. They know it's hypocritical. They understand it, but they will do it anyway. They will do it anyway because it's politically expedient to them. It's politically expedient to their pockets. It's politi- pol- uh, politically expedient for them to support Israel, you know, w- with at, uh, full stop, full stop support for Israel, no matter what they do, no matter if, you know, the UN and the, and the international. Uh, human rights, international human route, uh, rights groups and organizations are condemning this. They don't care. They don't care because that does not apply to America in their mind. That does not apply to America, nor does it apply to American allies. And Israel is one of our American allies, so it does not apply to them either. They are an extension of, an Amer- of America. And therefore, human rights must not be applied. Those laws must not be applied to us. Those bl- laws must not be applied to people we support, particularly people we support with billions and billions of dollars. And there's the hypocrisy. This was from, this is what Pelosi had to say. Once again, Nancy Pelosi being on the wrong side of everything, literally everything. So Liz Cheney, essentially, if you don't know what happened, Liz Cheney by a leadership vote um, in the Republican Party was ousted. She was like the number three in in the House Republican leadership they voted to oust her from that leadership position. Um, Liz Cheney, the daughter of war criminal Dick Cheney, um, who has 
you know, pretty much agrees with Trump on everything except the election integrity issue or whether the election was stolen or not. Pretty much agrees with her on uh, with him on everything. But on this one thing, did not agree with him, did not agree with him on that. And it was not a principled stance. I promise you that it was a political calculation because that's who Liz Cheney is. Um, she learned from her father before her. Um, so this is what Pelosi had to say about the ouster of Liz Cheney. She said, Congresswoman Liz Cheney is a leader of great courage, patriotism, and integrity. Today, House Republicans declared that those values are unwelcome in the Republican Party. Reasonable Republicans across the country must take their party back. What This obsession that the Democrats have, like the, Joe Biden has said it plenty of times, this reasonable Republicans need, need to take their party back. What is reasonable about the Republican Party? The, uh, it doesn't matter if you're talking about the Liz Cheney's of the world, uh, you know, or the Kevin McCarthy's, anyone on either side of this whole Trump issue. What is reasonable about the GOP wanting tax cuts whenever they can get it, opposing any any legislation, even these half-baked, you know, these half-measures that the, the Democrats are proposing um, that don't even really fully address the full scope of the issues we have in this country. The GOP is even still against that, even still against that. So constantly, constantly, we have people like Pelosi, people like Biden coming out and talking about this reasonable Republican Party, talking about people like Liz Cheney, who agree, who agrees with Donald Trump on pretty much all of his policy. So all the substantive things, right, the things that actually affect the American people. Liz Cheney 100% agrees with Donald Trump. But see, there's this thing that, that, that Trump did to break liberals' brains. Now anyone who comes out nominally against Donald Trump is welcome within the Democratic you know, establishment. Welcome. They're, they'll even be praised as a leader of great courage, patriotism, and integrity. I mean, that's just gross. It's gross what's happening. Um, Liz Cheney, I mean, I could care less if she's in the GOP leadership or not. The GOP right now doesn't matter. Right now, they have no power, no institutional power. All they can do is up, uh, uphold bills, um, make sure bills don't pass because of the filibuster. So I'd much rather Nancy Pelosi focus her ire on doing something, uh, uh, you know, pressuring Chuck Schumer, pressuring Joe Biden to actually push back against Joe Manchin so we can get some type of uh, legislation passed that's actually going to help people moving forward. That's what that's what uh, that's what Nancy Pelosi should be talking about. Instead, she's praising the daughter of a war criminal who also agrees with all the war criminal things her her father did and, and really wanted to get into Congress to continue those very things. So these are, this is, this is the correct response to something like this. This is the correct, this is how you should be responding to what happened with Liz Cheney. This is from the, the Politibunny watching Democrats, progressives, and never Trumpers who hated Liz Cheney for years while she voted in step with Trump 93% of the time, suddenly praise her so they can call Republicans cowards. What a bunk, what a bunch of fake, unprincipled jackasses. And that's that's completely spot on. Fake, unprincipled jackasses who could care less about the plight of the American people, could care less about, you know, how food prices are going up, energy prices are going up. People are being squeezed out of uh, middle class. People are being squeezed out of 
the you know promise of home ownership, anything like that. They could care less about all that. Sh- they don't care. All they care about is winning points, winning Browning points, winning elections, keeping you know their donors happy. That's all they care about. They care about power. That's what it comes down to in American politics. They care about power. Someone like someone like Nancy Pelosi, who's been in power for so long, can't let go of it. People like Diane Feinstein can't let go of it. They'll stay, they'll stay attached to this power until they die. That's how much they care about it. Do they does Diane Feinstein care about the, you know, all the the California the Californians who can't afford their health care right now? And something like cow care, which can't even get passed because you have corrupt Democrats in a supermajority Democratic state. Does she care about that? No, she doesn't care about that. Does Nancy Pelosi, who also lives in California, care about that? Something like cow care, single payer universal health care passing in this state, which could, you know, it would immediately would change a bunch of people's lives, save them money, guarantee them uh, health care. No, no, she doesn't care about that. All they care about constantly. All they give a shit about is winning elections, winning brownie points. And they don't even really care about that because if they actually cared about it, imagine if you gave people health care. Imagine one issue, even if they pass like $20 minimum wage, they'll win the next election easy. But see, the Democrats have this thing where they have to balance. They have to balance their donors. They have to balance that money coming in from the corporations that they serve while also trying to keep... Uh, together this coalition that is constantly fading constantly fading because people are waking up to their bullshit and so this is this next thing i want to show y'all is actually in close connection with what's going on in israel and palestine close connection you know i talked about how the nypd and other you know the fbi other other local and state law enforcement um agencies went over to israel to train right went over to israel to train um, and we know what Israel is doing right now within uh, with the West Bank, within Gaza, the Gaza Strip, is you know akin to war crimes, is akin akin to ethnic cleansing. Well, this new study came, that came out from the ICC also showed a very, very, very similar thing going on right here in America. Um, so this is from The Guardian, says police killings of black Americans amount to crimes against humanity, international inquiry finds. So let's just go through this article a little bit, because I thought this was, you know, super telling, super telling. Obviously, we all know, know and live in this country, so we understand the dynamics. But seeing, you know, an international group of, uh, you know, an international council come together and actually say this, you know, through their studies, that this is akin to war crimes. Um, crimes against humanity is stunning. So in, in a devastating report, human rights experts call on international criminal court prosecutor to open an immediate investigation. The sy- systematic killing and maiming of unarmed African-Americans by police amounts to crimes against humanity that should be investigated and prosecuted under international law and inquiry into U.S. police brutality by leading human rights lawyers from around the globe has found. A week after the former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin was convicted of murder and George Floyd's death, the unabated epidemic of police killings of black men and women in the U.S. has now attracted scorching international attention. In a devastating report running to 188 pages, human human rights experts from 11 countries hold the U.S. accountable for what they say is a long history of violations of of international law that rise in some cases to the level of crimes against humanity. 
They point to what they call police murders as well as severe deprivation of physical liberty, torture, persecution, other inhumane acts, inhuman acts as systematic attacks on the black community that meet the definition of such crimes. And, and this is why we cannot we cannot go around the world policing other people, telling other people, you know, whether they're, you know, acting, uh, you know, they're committing war crimes, whether they're acting brutally against their population, because the same is happening here and has been happening here for decades, for centuries. We have no leg to stand on. No leg, not at all. And so this is what this devastating report came out and said and proved, right? They also call on the prosecutor, prosecutor of the International Criminal Court, the ICC, in The Hague to open an immediate investigation with a view to prosecutions. The fighting of crimes against humanity was not given lightly. We included it with a very clear mind. One of the 12 commissioners who led the inquiry told The Guardian, we examined all the facts included that there are situations in the U.S. that beg the urgent scrutiny of the ICC. So I guess that means, I guess this shows us that someone else has to come and invade us, right? Someone else has to come in and, and occupy us. Someone has to come in and bomb us because what we're doing to our citizens. Because that's the same justification that is constantly used so we can go over overseas to places like the Middle East, to places like Iraq, Syria, Libya, um, you know, not even to speak about Latin America and all the coups we've tried to institute there and have successfully instituted there, destabilizing the region. I guess that means someone has to come and invade us, right? Because of all the shit we're doing to unarmed black and brown, uh, unarmed black men, unarmed uh, black women, and not just black. I mean, this is we're talking about any minority community, any marginalized community, any poor community. So this is among its among its other findings that the commission accuses the U.S. of violating. Let me make it big for you guys. Violating its international human rights obligations, both in terms of laws governing policing and in the practice of law enforcement officers, including traffic stops, targeting black people and race based stop and frisk. Yo, thanks, Mike Bloomberg. Thanks, Mike Bloomberg, uh, who the Democrats let, you know, buy his way into the Democratic primary. <laughs> Uh, stop and frisk there in, in New York City. Tolerating an alarming national pattern of disproportionate use of deadly force, not only by firearms, but also by tasers against black people. Operating a culture of impunity in which police officers are rarely held accountable while their homicidal actions are dismissed as those of just a few bad apples. I mean, so the international community is coming together in, in, in a rebuke against the United States in a rebuke against the United States ability to put itself out there as the world police, to put itself out there as the more, as the moral arbiter of who's right and who's wrong in the world. The international community is coming out and saying, how are you going to speak on other countries when this is happening in your own country? This is happening under your rule, right? And what we're doing across the world by being the world police with our military is now being translated and has been, for a long time we we know that we understand that it's now tr is translating back home here in america so a lot of times the like in, in the deficit hawking and the inflation debate kind of goes on you know the the uh the gop right wingers they're like uh, as soon as they they're not in power they're like we care about the deficit the deficit's so high etc cetera, etc cetera. um things are out of control blah 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 that's what 
you know, they obviously say, and then now that the Democrats are in power, they're saying there's nothing to worry about. Things are going fine. Things are going smooth. Um, and I think the truth is somewhere in the middle of that, right? There's somewhere in the middle of that. So let me share this with y'all because this is definitely an interesting article that I came across that I think is is important to what people, the the work, the reality that working people are going to have to be dealing with in this country unless something is done to change it, right? So inflation in and of itself is not bad, right? You can't say, okay, in 1910, bread was like 20 cents or whatever. Now it's four or $5. So if that's all the information you're given, then inflation is bad. No, inflation is only bad if prices rise to a level where people can't afford anymore. That's the only time that's the only time that, you know, inflation really can hurt a society like really bad. Right. When the people that are, you know, the workers, the people that are least amongst us in this society can't keep up um, with the rise in prices that we're seeing. So um, let's just go through this a little bit. This is from The Hill. Uh, consumer prices. I'll make, let me make it large for you all. Consumer prices. Ro- so consumer prices. Right. Who are consumers? That's us. Those are working people that have to go out and buy shit every day. And, um, you know, things, if you got $10 million sitting in your bank and prices rise a little bit, you know, you don't really care, but it, it doesn't really affect you. But if you're working off a minimum wage, which half of all workers are working off of right now and prices are rising at a, an, an insane rate and you can't keep up, you're already living on a budget. And now rates are much, you know, prices for food, energy, everything is much higher. Now you can't afford to live anymore. So you can't sit here and tell me that this isn't a problem at that point, right? Then you can't tell me this isn't a problem. So let's let's keep reading. Consumer prices rose at the fastest rate in more than a decade as the recovering U.S. economy pushes inflation higher, according to data released Wednesday by the Labor Department. The Consumer Price Index, a closely watched gauge of inflation, rose 0.8% in April and 4.2% in the year leading into the last month, rising at the fastest annual rate since a 4.9% jump in September 2008. What else happened in September 2008? <laughs> the CPI minus f- so look, the CPI minus food and energy prices, which are more volatile, rose 0.9% in April for the largest monthly increase since 1982. So they're already not they're already not including food and energy prices in these indexes. Food and energy. So you tell me, can you afford as a working person to not pay attention to the change in food and energy prices? Can you afford for the those prices to skyrocket 5, 10, 15%? Can you afford that in your budget when you're when you're already living off of potentially minimum wage, one or two minimum wage jobs, or you're making 30, 40, 50 thousand dollars a year? Can you ignore that? Can you ignore that? Because I don't I, I don't see how you can just not include stuff like food and energy just because they're more volatile in these indexes. So they say most of April's price increases were driven by areas of the economy hit hard by the coronavirus recession, recession adjusting to a surge of new demand, prices for used cars soared, um, the largest one-month increase since the Labor Department began tracking it uh, in 1953, driving roughly a third of all April price increases. Used cars and trucks have been in high demand as rental car companies attempt to, okay, okay, that's, the Labor Department said that increases in prices for shelter, airfares, Recreation, motor motor vehicle insurance, and household goods goods and services, all of which had collapsed last year, were also major drivers drivers of April's price increases. Now, all those things sound like prices for shelter, 
airfares, recreation, motor vehicle insurance, household goods and services. Those are all things that working class people have to understand and budget to afford those things. And Joe Biden and the Democrats, if y'all aren't willing and able, I mean, you are able, if you're not willing to actually give people and institute policies and legislation that ensure that people have enough money to pay for all these ridiculous price increases in food, energy, insurance, right? This is something that I've been thinking about all the time. Like, okay, so all, you know, all these streaming services, those prices go up every single year. All these prices go up every single year. Food prices go up. These energy gas prices are ridiculous now. All these things are going up, but people are still making $7.25. So something's got to give. Something's got to give. And then we sit here and wonder why we have such a large homeless population, why we have so many people that after COVID are now going to be on the streets because they can't afford how much this shit is starting to cost with those, the, the uh, starvation and poverty wages that they're being paid by these multi-billion uh, dollar, you know, sometimes trillion dollar uh, companies that are multinational that duck taxes left and right and then give their CEOs max maximum bonuses while still paying their workers shit, nothing, starvation wages. How are they supposed to deal with this stuff? So you, they can't they can't keep coming out and saying that this stuff doesn't matter, that um, you know, you know what it's crazy. It's crazy because what the Biden administration, they'll actually um acknowledge MMT. They'll actually acknowledge that as a framework they're working with. While at the same time, you know, when it's convenient for them, they'll acknowledge it. When people are like, okay, so then give people healthcare, they're like, uh, well, you know, we can't, we can't afford it. We can't pay for it. But then when something like this comes out, they'll be like, oh, nothing to worry about. Everyone relax. Um, you know. And inflation is it's under control. All these things are under control. All the all the while, they don't want to give people living wages that they can actually live on. They want to keep them. And, and even the fifteen dollar debate, fifteen dollars in twenty twenty six, with all this with with uh you know the rise in prices that we're seeing year over year, fifteen dollars in twenty twenty six is still living in poverty. It's still living in poverty. We have to start expecting more. $20 minimum wage, $25 minimum wage. We need to start expecting more. So, you know, I, I'm just tired. I feel like there's kind of a disconnect that we have, right? Yes, we can, we can acknowledge that inflation in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. But if we see inflation with stagnant wages, which is what we've seen over the past 30, 40 years, then it becomes a problem. Yes, we can battle back against the deficit hawking of the right wing, right? But now we also have to battle back against um, a people like Joe Biden, the Democrats in office, uh, you know, completely ignoring any type of changes in prices, right? Rising in consumer prices without also being like, okay, because those things are rising, because, you know, we say inflation is under control. Now we're going to have to ensure that we're giving people a living, a truly living wage. I'm talking $20, $25 an hour so that they can afford housing. They can afford food, shelter, energy. They can afford all this shit, right? So, you know, I, I feel like I, I wanted to speak on this because I feel like sometimes there's a disconnect and we get lost in like battling a back against just the right wing deficit hawkers, which we need to do, of course. Of course, because when they're in office, they understand that they can 
uh, increase the deficit by $2 trillion with tax cuts and, and, and just keep it pushing and act like it never happened. So we do have to fight back against that, but we also need to fight back against people like Joe Biden who are going to allow this to continue to happen, right? Do nothing about it and, all, and at the same time not give people enough money through their wages to actually ensure that they can continue to live. The labor, okay, so inflation was widely expected to keep rising as prices recovered to and slightly exceed their pandemic lows with the U.S. economy kicking back into gear. Measurements of inflation are not only influenced by the sharp jump from prices pushed lower by the pandemic, but supply shortages get driven by the slow thaw from the pandemic abroad. And uh, I've people have been saying well, some of these supply chains are not coming back. Some of these supply chains are are not going to be, um, you know, quite as efficient or even as present as they were before. So that means prices could continue to be pretty high, right? We don't make anything here. We've completely outsourced all we've completely outsourced all of our manufacturing to places like China, to places other places in Asia because capitalists figured it'd be better for them in their bottom line to get rid of a bunch of good paying jobs, a lot of times union jobs in order to make higher profits, higher quarterly profits so that they can maximize their bonuses every quarter. And, and maximize their time being CEO of that company and being an exec, executive of that company, right? So um, that's why we don't manufacture anything here. That's why we don't make anything here. So now we rely on supply chains from across the world to buy the things that uh, you know a lot of working class, class people need to survive, right? To buy cheap things in Walmart, to buy cheap things you know across the world or across the country.